This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. The Kinescope Initiative Episode 116 A sitcom review in chronological order. From the SFPP and Television Center, take it away, Mark. Thank you, announcer Bod, and welcome to the Kinescope Initiative, a sitcom review in chronological order. Let's continue with the sitcoms of 1983. Foot in the Door premiered on CBS on March 28, 1983 at 8.30 p.m. Based on UK series Tom, Dick, and Harriet, Harold Gould stars as a recent widow who moves from the suburbs to the New York apartment of his son, Kenneth Gilman, and son-in-law, Diana Canova, so he can become a single swinger. Marion Mercer plays the head of the apartment building. We covered Harold Gould on episode 72 for Rhoda, Kenneth Gilman on episode 85 for Loves Me, Loves Me Not, Diana Canova on episode 86 for Soap, and Marion Mercer on episode 59 for Funny Face. I think that's the first time we have an entire cast who've already been through the sitcom ringer. Foot in the Door lasted just over a month. There's very little info online about the series. There is something interesting about the series it's based on, Tom, Dick, and Harriet. Apparently, the show did well in the UK, but ended prematurely due to a botched stunt. The two male leads, Lionel Jeffries and Ian Ogilvie, were supposed to drive a car into a very shallow lake, but it turned out to be deep enough for the car to float and then sink down 45 feet. Jeffries got out just before the car sank below the waves and quit immediately after, and the series was over. Forgotten being a baby till we had you. And I forgot that life can make you crazy till we had you. It's great to be alive. Baby Makes Five premiered on ABC on April 1st, 1983 at 8 p.m. A post-Bosom Buddies and pre-Newhart Peter Scolari stars as the head of the family in this family comedy. Louise Williams plays the wife with Andre Gower, Emily Moultrie, and Brandy Gold as their three kids. The wife learns she's pregnant with twins, hence the show's title. Janice Page and Priscilla Morrill play their respective mother-in-laws. We covered Peter Scolari on episode 104 for Bosom Buddies, Louise Williams on episode 83 for Bustin' Loose, Janice Page all the way back in episode 13 for It's Always Jan, and Priscilla Morrill on episode 85 for A Year at the Top. Andre Gower would go on to regular or recurring work on Fathers and Sons, Square One Television, Mr. President, and Valerie, as well as the film The Monster Squad. Brandy Gold is part of a family of child actors with sisters Tracy, Growing Pains, and Missy, Benson. Brandy went on to St. Elsewhere and First Impressions. Baby Makes Five was yet another flop running all of five episodes. Well, it did free up Scolari for Newhart. I did find the opening theme and a clip on YouTube. The opening and dialogue are treacly. The kids are wiseacres. It makes step-by-step look like Ibsen. I'm shocked the show made it to five episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Midnight Beantown premiered on CBS on April 3, 1983 at 8 p.m. Sitcom vet and former Incredible Hulk Bill Bixby joins James Garner's wife, Marriott Hartley, remember the Polaroid commercials, in a romantic comedy about local news. Tracy Gold played the divorce Hartley's daughter, George Coe, then G.W. Bailey, the station news director, Charles Levin, the news producer, Stephanie Farrisee, the feature reporter, with Jim Stahl on sports and Todd Sussman running the camera. We covered Bill Bixby back in episode 34 for My Favorite Martian, Marriott Hartley in episode 46 for The Hero, Stephanie Farrisee in episode 99 for The Last Resort, Jim Stahl in episode 91 for Mork and Mindy, Todd Sussman in episode 75 for The Bob Crane Show, and we'll cover Tracy Gold in a while when we get to Growing Pains. George Coe had a long career as a character actor, starting on Broadway in What Makes Sammy Run, Mame, Company, and On the 20th Century. He got some minor TV guest roles, then in 1975, he started a run on TV soap The Doctors, got a part in the film The Stepford Wives, and was one of the original not-ready-for-primetime players on the first episode of Saturday Night Live. He would appear in multiple episodes that season, but only got credited once. Films followed, Kramer vs. Kramer, Bustin' Loose, before Beantown. Lots of TV guest roles followed. He would be a regular or recur on Max Headroom, Equal Justice, L.A. Law, Working, and Voice Work on Archer. Co-passed in 2015. G.W. Bailey was in the same Texas high school class as Janis Joplin. He went off to work in regional theater. He would then go on to be a reliable TV guest actor starting in the mid-70s, recurring or a regular on Harry O, Flo, St. Elsewhere, War and Remembrance, The Jeff Foxworthy Show, and the films Short Circuit and Mannequin, but is probably best known for three roles. Sergeant Rizzo on the later seasons of M.A.S.H., Harris in the Police Academy film series, and Lieutenant Provenza on The Closer and Major Crimes. Charles Levin was a reliable character actor who was almost a regular on The Golden Girls. His gay cook character was swapped out after the pilot to make room for Sophia Estelle Getty, who became a regular. He appeared in films Annie Hall, Manhattan, This is Spinal Tap, The Man with One Red Shoe, The Golden Child, and A Civil Action, while working as a regular or recurring character on Alice, Hill Street Blues, Karen's Song, NYPD Blue, and Capital News. He also had a stage career in Broadway's City of Angels. His death last year at age 70 was tragic. He went missing and was found after a search resulting from his car getting stuck on a wilderness road. The leads on Goodnight Beantown were antagonistic on camera but worked and loved well in the real world. Otherwise, the show harkened back to the setting of The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and the Boston locale was a callback to Cheers. Bixby and Hartley had previously worked together on an episode of The Incredible Hulk. After a short five-episode season in the spring, the show returned for 13 more before it was canceled. Hartley was nominated for an Emmy for her role. I watched an episode on YouTube. The show's theme could have just as easily fit a 70s detective show like Macmillan and Wife. The episode begins with something you never see anymore, people reading a newspaper. The dialogue snaps, at least at the start. It really doesn't need a laugh track. Dick Godier guests as a smarmy consumer advocate. Unfortunately, the episode seems to get more and more goofy as it goes on. 
overall, it's dumber than I remember. Zorro and Son, which happens to be the last entry in the Bible of this podcast, the complete directory to primetime network and cable TV shows, premiered on CBS on April 6, 1983 at 8 p.m. This is yet another failed Disney production set 25 years after the classic 1950s TV series. Henry Darrow and Paul Regina co-star as Zorro Sr. and Jr., Bill Dana plays their manservant, Gregory Sierra plays their nemesis, with Richard Beauchamp as his second. Barney Martin plays dual roles as monks, John Mashita Jr. as a recorder, and Catherine Parks as Jr.'s paramour. We covered Henry Darrow in episode 60 for the new Dick Van Dyke show, Paul Regina in episode 89 for Joe and Valerie, Bill Dana in episode 33 for his eponymous series, Gregory Sierra in episode 74 for Barney Miller, Richard Beauchamp in episode 83 for CPO Sharkey, and Barney Martin in episode 82 for the Tony Randall Show. You can tell that Disney at the time loaded their shows with veterans. John Mashita Jr. is one of those people who turn a specific talent into an entire career. In this case, his ability to speak at incredible speeds. He actually started behind the scenes on the game show Shoot for the Stars and would later appear as a celebrity on the $10,000 Pyramid. His first TV appearance was on That's Incredible, showing off his form, which led to talk show appearances and, far more importantly, commercials. His campaign for FedEx went on to win awards and accolades. Mishita went on to over 750 commercials for everything from Minute Rice to JetBlue, He put out an album called 10 Classics in 10 Minutes, summarizing great works. He recurred on Madam's Place, Sesame Street, and the animated Transformers franchise playing Blur. Films include Dick Tracy and Young Doctors in Love. Catherine Park started as a beauty pageant contestant, at one point a runner-up for Miss America. She's best known for two films, Friday the 13th Part 2 and Weekend at Bernie's. Otherwise, she was in the film Looker and did a lot of TV guest work. Zorro and Son didn't make much of a mark on television, running all of five episodes. It has a When Things Were Rotten vibe with lots of sight gags and silly dialogue. I found an episode on YouTube. The jokes are explained, the laugh track is heavy, and the plot is insipid. The 30-minute episode seemed to go on forever. Buffalo Bill premiered on NBC on May 31, 1983 at 9.30 p.m. One of the foundational tenets of popular fiction is that the protagonist be someone the audience can sympathize with. This is the exception that proves the rule, or maybe just an exception that didn't work. Dabney Coleman, who made quite a career for himself playing unlikable characters, plays Bill Bittinger, the host of a local Buffalo, New York talk show. 
He's terrible to his guests and his staff and is always scheming. TV rules dictate that those schemes fail. Joanna Cassidy plays his director and on-and-off girlfriend. Max Wright plays the station manager, John Fiedler the stage manager, Gina Davis the production assistant, Charlie Robinson the makeup guy, with Meshach Taylor, Claude Earl Jones, and Pippa Perthree rounding out the cast. We covered Joanna Cassidy in episode 89 for Roller Girls, John Fiedler in episode 64 for The Bob Newhart Show, and we'll cover Charlie Robinson and Meshach Taylor when we get to their better-known series. Dabney Coleman studied law before turning to acting with an army stint in between. He studied under Meisner, then moved into a lot of TV guest roles, recurring or a regular on The Fugitive, That Girl, The FBI, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Forever Fernwood, Apple Pie, Barnaby Jones, Fresno, Recess, Voice Work, The Guardian, Courting Alex, Heartland, and Boardwalk Empire. He would go on to star in three more sitcoms, all playing similar unlikable characters, the Slap Maxwell story, Drexel's class, and Madman of the People. Films include Downhill Racer, The Towering Inferno, Midway, Melvin and Howard, 9 to 5, On Golden Pond, Modern Problems, Tootsie, War Games, The Man with One Red Shoe, the Beverly Hillbillies film playing Mr. Drysdale, You've Got Mail, Coleman has generated 177 IMDb credits and is still working at age 88. Max Wright started on the stage in Broadway's The Great White Hope, Lunch Hour, and Ivanoff, nominated for a Tony. Buffalo Bill was his first regular TV role with some guest roles before that. He would go on to be a regular or recur on Misfits of Science, Ghostwriter, Dudley, and Norm, as well as films All That Jazz and Reds but is best remembered as head of the family, Willie Tanner, on ALF. We'll talk more about the show when we get there, but it's clear that Wright hated the role. He passed last year. Virginia Elizabeth Gina Davis got her nickname during the time she was a Swedish exchange student based on a name in a kid's show there. She started as a model, she's six feet tall, before being cast in Tootsie, her first on-camera role. Buffalo Bill came soon after that, along with a number of guest spots. She got her own sitcom, Sarah, in 1985, just as her film career picked up. Fletch, The Fly, with husband Jeff Goldblum, Beetlejuice, and then came prestige films, The Accidental Tourist, winning an Oscar, Thelma and Louise, Oscar and Golden Globe nominations, A League of Their Own, a Golden Globe nomination, and Speechless, a Golden Globe nomination, before a downturn and a move toward action films with third husband, director Rennie Harland, Cutthroat Island, and The Long Kiss Goodnight. Davis took a few years off and then did voice work in the Stuart Little films. She also did an eponymous sitcom, then played the first female president in Commander-in-Chief, nominated for an Emmy, a Golden Globe, and a SAG Award, but only lasted one season. She went on to be a regular or recur on the 2016 Exorcist series, Grey's Anatomy, and Glow. She's become more of an activist for women's sports. She made an Olympic bid in archery in 1999, placing 24th, and women's equality in film and TV on-screen roles, the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media, winning the Academy's Jean Herschelt Humanitarian Award, an honorary Oscar, in 2019. Claude Earl Jones went on to a short run on Dallas, a lot of TV guest spots, and the films Cherry 2000 and Bride of Reanimator. 
Pippa Perthree would go on to recur on Day by Day and a role as a judge on Law and Order. Buffalo Bill was adored by critics, earning 11 Emmy nominations plus a Golden Globe for Joanna Cassidy. TV Guide put Bill Bittinger on its list of greatest TV characters of all time in 1999, and Brandon Tartikoff, NBC president at the time, considered canceling the series to be his biggest professional regret. All of that did not turn into big ratings. Again, people want their protagonists to be likable, and the show lasted two short seasons. The show is kind of a proto-Curb Your Enthusiasm, with Coleman's character putting himself in a bad position each week, all based on his ego. Tom Patchett, co-creator of the series, would go on to create ALF, bringing Max Wright with him. I watched the pilot on YouTube. The opening theme sounds like an action show. The audiences love him because they don't know the real man. The professor himself, Russell Johnson, cameos as a talk show guest. Coleman does a great job in the role. His wisecracks did not need a laugh track. More of 1983 sitcoms in our next episode. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Well, I'm filing this episode in the archive. Tune in next time.